Hello, hockey fans, and welcome to the podcast. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast with my co-host, Chris Lethal and Mark Warner. Today, we got a very special guest from CaliSportsNews.com. He's a Kings contributor. His is James Jeff Duarte, and uh, on Twitter, he goes by at JD Styles. So I'm going to go ahead and bring in Chris. Chris, good evening, sir. Hey, Mark. How we doing? Oh, we're rolling. We're rolling. Had a busy evening. Busy evening. Lucky to get here on time, or maybe a couple minutes late. I, but, hear, uh, I, I hear that. Let's uh, let's bring Jeff in. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm glad to be here. Now we were talking just a second ago uh, before we got started. Uh, I've I've been following uh, Jeff at JD Styles S T Y L Z because he does his Kings blog, and I'm a I'm a well publicized Kings fan. Um, so hey, I don't be- forget the underscore, Mark. Don't forget the underscore. JD Styles underscore. Very oh, cool. okay, okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, no, no, no problem. No problem. Whatever. So any, anybody wants to get some good Kings content can can get him on Twitter and then go through to CaliSportsNews.com. And uh, so I've been following him on my personal account for a couple of years. And uh, now that we started the podcast, we've been kind of going around the league and getting contributors from some of these other blogs. Uh, we've had the the stars, the the Panthers, the Blues, the Maple Leafs. So I was like, uh, okay, let's do a little Kings talk. I'm pretty sure Chris will come in in a minute with uh, with another Islanders contributor and gang up on me here in a couple weeks too. So uh, let's, uh, we start things off our first segment. We go around the league. And uh, I guess this, this, the main story here in the first couple weeks of the season has been Anytime Montreal Canadiens do something that the Montreal Canadiens have never but done before, that's uh, you got to pay attention. That's a pretty impressive stat, and I think it's a big deal. It it's is. They, deal. they go they go nine and zero, and that's the first time that's happened. And obviously, let's face it, the most decorated franchise in hockey history. So, yep, the you would think that uh, you know Carey Price, obviously, and doing it with defense and grid, and that's part of it. But a lot of people would be surprised, and we did our, our, our uh, division preview. One of the things my question was about Montreal, and it was a carryover from last season in the playoffs, was where are they going to score goals from? But they've done it. They're the, the third-highest scoring team in the league and and the number one overall goals against at 1.9, just under two, and they're scoring at a three three 3.6 goals per game tick. So they're they're beating their opponents by two goals a game here in Vegas. That would be a minus a goal and a half, and you'd still cash your ticket. So that that's pretty darn impressive, Jeff. You're back there in uh, in Canada. What what's uh, what's the buzz out there about the Canadians? I, I imagine it's a pretty hot topic. It's a very a very hot topic. Uh, Montreal media and fans are super excited. Um, not that the streak got broken against Vancouver, but the fact they went nine and zero. And uh, they're talking Stanley Cup, let's be honest. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, actually, the buzz is great, but they're still they're a little bit cautious because Montreal actually didn't look very good in the last few games that they won. And Terry Price, who won every trophy available last year, uh, to the point that I'm surprised he didn't win the Oscar for Best Picture or Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> um, he, he was very, very shaky in that Vancouver game, but, you know, it's a long season, it happens. 
I just find it very ironic, and this is what I love about hockey, is the drama of it, that the goalie that they lost to to end the streak, to tie the record, and like you said, Mark, they've never done this before, a six-storied franchise, was Ryan Miller. And Ryan, the last team that went 10-0 and to tie the record were the Buffalo Sabres in uh-huh. 2006. And that goalie was Ryan Miller. So... Oh, that's only something the hockey god script writers right. come up with, which is why I love hockey so much. But no, the fans are excited. Uh, there's a lot of buzz, obviously. And uh, Montreal just has a certain swagger that they didn't really have before because of the playoff battles they've had recently, uh, especially Boston in 2014, that now you're starting to see in the team with Pacioretty, Subban, and Price all in their prime. So everyone's excited, but like you said, they still need more scoring. They're doing okay now, but it's a long season. Pacioretty can't score the goals by himself. And I don't think Alexander uh, Salmon is going to be an offensive breakout. I think he's a healthy scratch tonight. Um, wow. So they still need help up front to score goals. But uh, but they're still excited, very optimistic, and who knows? I actually picked Montreal to win the Stanley Cup. Surprise, surprise. No, that that uh, you kind of led into where I wanted to go was that Pacioretty's on fire to start the season, um, but it, again, we were t- I was talking with Chris and I didn't really I was pretty neutral on the Alexander Simmons signing. I didn't think that he was just all of a sudden going to turn it back on again. Um, right, and and, and, and sorry to interrupt, but it's a good signing at one point one million for one year. Like that that's a steal and Bergevin and the the Habs can afford it. The only problem is his track record shows he's not the most uh, motivated player out there, not the most ambitious, uh very talented. Uh when he's on, he's on. He he can add offense. But like I don't think anyone has really been able to light a fire under his butt. Because for him and I'm not trying to be mean, I have nothing against the player. But it takes more than a match under his butt. Like you got to put him over a volcano to get him going. He's not going to solve the Habs' problems. Right. Chris, uh, have you seen much of Montreal so far this year? I've only seen, uh, read about them and seen, you know, on the NHL network, uh, you know, following their games, seeing the uh, their broadcasts and the highlight packages and some of their games. It seems to me, you know, most teams, you know, they're doing, you know, coming out of the gate, usually uh, – you do what you have to do to to, uh, to play winning hockey, get those Ws. But it seems like they have come out the best out of the gates, uh, the most um, fluid, if you will, for lack of a better word, in terms of their four, four lines of offense and three lines of defense. Obviously, they're extremely uh, strong defensive team. I felt, like you did more in the year, they were definitely a cup contender, um, but... To win the cup, I felt two things kind of had to happen. I felt like some of their young guys would have to take the next step in terms of scoring and the early returns. I think are you know pretty good, and I think they going to need that one key ad. And as uh, the, as we are speaking, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes are in Brooklyn tonight, and uh, to me, now this is going to be a little tricky cap wise, and maybe I'm starting an NHL rumor here. But I think Eric Stahl would uh, be a perfect fit, uh, especially because they could use a center, I believe, too. Yeah, uh, I think absolutely. Eric Stahl would be a perfect fit for them. He's on the last year of his deal, uh, becomes a UFA. Uh, Carolina is rebuilding. Uh, thing is, he carries an $8.25 million cap hit, so 
any team trading for him who's up against the cap, like I believe the Canadians are, or, or they're close to it. So, but still, you think they could be able to work something, work something out there. So there's, there's a little nudge, you know. So if uh, Eric Stoll comes uh, late February gets traded to the Canadians, you're already here first. Let me ask you this: This is last year on his deal, right? It is. It so is last year. If they it get is, him, Eddie Stolberg. If, uh-huh. they, if they get him at the trade deadline, they get a prorated cap hit too. Oh, uh, he would only I, count probably about four million dollars against the uh, against their cap for the rest of the season. Is that right? Okay, yeah. if that's the case, with about a third of the season to go, then maybe the cap will become lesser of a lesser of a problem at that point. Yeah, I know that because there was like when the Kings were going through last season's early injuries. Uh, and with Voinov on the suspended list, they were counting days until they had oh, a right. prorated dollar amount before they could even call up a, a, a league minimum player from the AHL. Isn't that right, Jeff? Tough times. They were tough times, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, so that might make more but sense still, later on as far as cap-wise anyway. Yeah, but, but in terms of the regular season, I mean, look, they built well. It's a question of do they win the Atlantic or do they come in second? You know, I felt that way going in the regular season. For, the, for me, the question was about the Canadians. is come playoff time, I, uh, if they play the Lightning, uh, the Rangers, the Capitals, the RSA, the Islanders, if they play one of those teams, will they have enough offense, uh, you know, to move forward to get to the Eastern, to get to the Stanley Cup Finals? To me, that's really the, the, the big question about that. And I still think we're at the same place with them. But they're playing the best hockey so far, no doubt. Absolutely. If we could go out west here for a couple minutes before the break, uh, I guess at the other end of the spectrum, the team that was supposed to be doing uh, what Montreal's doing in the west is the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, I know that's a a Kings rival, but I don't follow them that closely. Um, I think, and tell tell me if I'm wrong, you get to the Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals, and I think they, they moved six, at least five players off of that roster and replaced them with new players. Um, yep. I don't know, A, if that was the right thing to do, and I didn't like it at the time, and B, whether than the players they brought in to replace Palmieri and Bolshevin and, and so on, um, whether they're a fit for that club. I've watched a couple games. The other night I was started to watch the game. They were up 3 nothing. I thought, okay, they're finally off the schneid. And then they turn around and blow it and lose 4-3. to three. Um, I really don't know what to make of this team, but they're at the opposite end of the surprise spectrum for sure. Jeff? Um, as I said before, I picked Montreal to win the Stanley Cup in a recent article. I actually had them against the Ducks in the final. So we had Montreal making me look like a genius, and now we have Anaheim making me look like I don't know what I'm talking about. But, uh, no, I know what you're saying. There was a lot of uh, roster changes. Um, so everyone knows I am a diehard Kings fan, in case that wasn't mentioned. Uh, I don't just cover the Kings. I'm also a fan. But So it's hard for me to uh, praise the Ducks in a certain way, even though they don't deserve praise right now. But I think it's fair to say that the Ducks are actually a better team than the way they've been playing right now. But the roster changes, bringing in uh, Kevin Bieska, bringing in Sean Horkoff, bringing in Carl Hagelin, who are all talented players. But right now, this seems to be a chemistry problem. These I guys, think so. strangers in a strange land, uh, they're trying to fit in and get used to the system, etc. There's obviously something wrong right now with Anaheim, but 
at the same time, I think they're going to be okay. They're going to get out of this funk because they're too good to play like this. I know the King fan that hurts to say, but I'm going to be professional. Um, they're a good team. Now, whether the coach of uh, Bruce Boudreaux survives this or not, that's a whole different story. That's a hot uh, topic. The game you mentioned, Mark. Oh, fair enough. Um, but uh, the Ducks, they're going to bounce back. They have Bob Murray. He's been working very hard, at least um, from his game plan, to add depth to the team, to fill the holes that the Ducks have had before uh, with each year. And each year they're getting uh, closer and closer um, to get to their goals, to get back to the Stanley Cup final. So last year they went seven games in the Western Conference final, uh, which uh, the coach, Bruce Boudreaux, never done before. And they were very close, and yet they lost another game seven. At they home. lost game seven to Detroit. At home, too. At home. Uh, which is what happened to the Kings in 2014. Uh, they lost to Detroit. Three years uh, in a row. Seven games. Three years in a row, so there, there's been some type of problem. So Bob Murray, the GM, has been trying to plug in some holes. Carl Hagelin's a very speedy player, as um, Kings fans would know from the Stanley Cup final in 2014. Bieska had some uh, defense, some you know, some punch there. Horkoff uh, hasn't, I don't think, lived up to his billing, but there's still potential there. But there's a major chemistry problem. But I think the Ducks, you know, they're going to be okay, and it's still early in the season. So eventually they're going to turn things around, get better puck luck. And I hate puck luck. I hate saying that. But the Ducks <laughs> didn't look that bad when they when they played Chicago. They didn't look that bad. They were getting shots in the net. They just couldn't put the puck in the net. And as a Kings fan, we're very familiar with that. Because how many times do the Kings dominate and they can't put the puck in the net? And uh, Anaheim's going through that right now. Yeah. Um, I think that Dallas game, did Perry get eight shots on net? He did. Uh, or recently he got... Yeah, he got eight shots. So, like, the attempt is there. They're just not having luck putting the puck in. Eventually, it's going to go in, and they'll be right back on track, annoying everybody in the Pacific Division, of course. One thing real quick. we got about a minute before we go to break. When Getzlaff comes back from his appendicitis, you got to put him back with Perry, right? I don't, I, don't, I don't like the idea that they split that lineup. I would put him back together. Absolutely. Chris? Uh, yeah, I would too. But maybe we should go to the break because I, I, I want to get one quick point in on the Ducks. Okay, well, let's go out to break here. And uh, when we come back, we'll finish up the Ducks talk and we'll hit uh, we'll hit Jeff's kitchen here with some Kings talk. We'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans. This episode of the podcast will be streaming live on HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour, 7-day-a-week all-hockey-talk radio station. And we're back from the break. Thanks for coming in. We're here today with Jeff Duarte from CaliSportsNews.com. He's a King contributor out there. Uh, you can find his stuff at JD Styles underscore JDSTYLZ underscore over on Twitter. And he links his stuff uh, to his blog, or you can go to CaliSportsNews.com. We're, we're right before the break, we were talking about uh, the Ducks' less than anticipated start there. And I know Chris had one more thing to get to before we, we head off into the King's land. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I'm not going to be as, uh, as nice on the Ducks. I had them go in the finals uh, like Jeff did in my uh, preseason uh, prediction. I mean, to me, the, the, the changes that they had, you're talking about their secondary players. I mean, they're, they're for, they're the core of the team is still the same, and 
you know what they you know adding a Carl Hagelin who was an important contributor for the Rangers uh, you know I know uh, uh, they changed the fence a little bit but uh, I'm I'm at this point as an NHL fan and observer I'd be a little worried about the Ducks simply because there's a lot of high expectations for them I mean anything short of making uh, the Stanley Cup Finals uh, has been a has been a disappointing year at, at, at the minimum and now they're off to this Bad start. They're in a hole. I believe. Am I wrong? Have they been shut out like four times already? They've uh, scored nine goals in nine games. That's uh, one yeah, of their I, problems. I, I, I would be. I'd be. I'd be. You know, a little bit worried about them going forward. I mean, they're fortunate that they're in the, the Pacific Division, uh, but they got to make sure they're in the top three. So uh, I, I just wonder, and especially how they finished the season last year. And we talked about this, Mark in the preseason uh, podcast, uh, and it was the second year in a row. Not only did they, you, like you guys mentioned, lose Game 7, but they just looked like a deer in the headlights yeah. in those Game 7s at home. Before you put on the game, yeah. down like 3 nothing. I mean, it looked like, you know, I, you know. again, I, I just looked like they were overwhelmed. That's probably the best way. I Same thing the year before against the so, Kings, too. Yeah, exactly. So I see some red yep. flags here. That they they do have a lot of talent. I you know I know that, but they have work to do. They're one six and two, going into the into uh, the 29th of October as we do this podcast. So uh, I'm a, I would say I'm a little concerned. And if I was uh, the coach, I'd be very concerned. Cause, you know, the, <laughs> things don't get turned around. Very and he quickly. looked concerned after that Dallas game. He I thought he was going to cry, Jeff. He looked like side Joel Thornton. I'm, I'm just going to say it. He looked like side Joel Thornton when the Kings came back 0-3. And oh. I looked like Bruce Boudreaux. He knows. Uh, it looks like he's ready to go in front of the firing squad, uh, literally. Well, one one last quick stat. They've scored nine goals, and they've given up 27 in nine games. Not going to get it done. Yeah. Uh, let's go out of the other, the other Southern California squad. Um, got off to a pretty similar looking start. If you look at their first three games, I think they were outscored twelve to two. Pretty ugly start. Now they did have the biggest roster change uh, in their, let's say, since twenty eleven. The biggest roster turnover. They've done a great job. Dean Lombardi has of keeping that group intact on a on a core group year to year. But losing uh, Williams and Stoll. And Richards and Regeer, uh, huge part of not just on the ice, but even Voinoff. You can count him, even though he wasn't there last year. Uh, in the locker room, in the leadership group, and I've, I've seen Daryl Sutter on the the LA Kings Insider blog uh, consistently mention Richards, Stoll, and Williams in that leadership gap that he was looking for the other guys to step up earlier in the season, and then. Uh, then you bring in the, the, a lot of the youngsters, and you bring in Lucic, um, and he he was not fitting with Kopitar at all on that first line, so coach moved it around. Uh, Jeff, give me your take real quick on those first three games without the uh, the typical Twitter spear, the sky is falling, fire the team. Uh, was it was it more than a chemistry? I thought Jonathan Quick looked rusty in those first three games, but. Um, it was really, it was really bad chemistry, really, and I think Matt Green was trying to push through an injury that uh, maybe he shouldn't have done. Um, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, the only problem is, Mark, I don't know what three games you're talking about. Uh, aren't the Kings six and zero right now? Uh, yeah, yeah, the last three games of the preseason. 
Wasn't that the last three games of the preseason? Oh, oh, there you I go. That was the first three games. My apologies. Um, no, they looked terrible. That San Jose game uh, to start off the season, uh, the first period wasn't too bad, but by the second and third, uh, the sky was falling. And to be honest, in typical uh, modern fashion, like you mentioned, since 2011, isn't that the current team's way anyways to look really bad in the opener? Um, and that's exactly what they did. But everybody was off. Chemistry was off. Green playing when he probably should. You know, it's very admirable that he wanted to play. Oh, you're not, yeah, for sure. That he has. You know, but, you know, sometimes that's bad, too, because you become a liability out there. Uh, the second game against Arizona, they lost 4-1. But the Kings did look a little bit better. Uh, they were controlling the puck better. They were taking more shots towards the opposing net, like Mike Smith. Of course, a lot of them missed in that. But, uh, you know, they were uh, dictating the pace of game. But Jonathan Quick was not sharp in that game. And the game after that was a, what, a 3 nothing shutout against Vancouver, I believe. And this guy was falling. Absolutely. If you only followed the Kings on Twitter, on social media, all I was hearing, and this is not just from Kings fans, this is also certain websites, um, people who don't normally follow the Kings, but, you know, as a writer, I can respect what they do, but they're just writing their articles, but even they're saying, fire Daryl Sutter, uh, fire Dean Lombardi, blow up the team and trade everybody. You know, like, it's like white, uh, widespread panic. It's like an episode of The Walking Dead. Everyone's like going insane. Um, but it's, it was so early in the season, and the team did kind of show certain signs that they were trying to get things together, and what we didn't see until really until game four. But, uh, yeah, widespread pa- uh, panic in the kingdom. Um, people were ready to give up on the Kings, even saying that they were just too slow. They're like the slowest team in the NHL. Um, they need more speed. And they need, but Jordan Wheel up there because he's really fast, and Jordan Wheel is on the roster. He's not playing, but he's on the roster. But it was it was too soon to panic. And I know sure. after the season the Kings had last year, where it was a disaster, bizarre season last year, and it's embarrassing to be on that list where you're one of those teams that won the Stanley Cup and then didn't make the playoffs the next year. But with everything that fell apart last year, I can't really blame fans for having a fear that, uh-oh, are we going through this again? But... One, let me ju- let me jump in there. One, one thing I will say about last year, um, I wasn't really one of the guys that was was terrified of it. When you look back at 2012, uh, the Kings finished with 95 points and won the Stanley Cup. Last year, they finished with 95 right. points. They were two wins in the last week right. of the season from jumping in at the eight seed again. And then, by all accounts, they right. would have been one of the favorites to win the Stanley Cup again because everyone knows what the Kings do when they make the playoffs. My my real concern was, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they weren't – I didn't think it was as bad as it was made out to be. My, my point is more the fact that at the end of the season, they didn't make the playoffs. So experiencing that whole season of disasters and not making it into the playoffs um, – that's where the, the fear really came. And with the team doing as badly as they did the first three games, that fear is going to manifest into the new season, uh, hence the widespread panic. Yeah. Now, now, fast forward through the next six games. Obviously, moving Lucic down, he's found some great chemistry with with Carter and Toffoli on their second line, um, and that made a big difference. And I, It's hard for me to say, but let's just say that Jeff Carter – 
whoever is on his left wing has great chemistry, and I, I attribute that to Jeff. <laughs> I attribute that to Jeff Carter. Uh, Tanner Pearson is a great player, and he's he's still young, and he's going to get only better. I'd like to put him with Gabarik and Kopitar on the first line, and not bury him down on the third third line minutes uh, with a rookie center. I think he's still young enough where I, agree. I think he's still young enough where he needs a center like Kopitar. But it just I think Jeff Carter's line is is the the best line the Kings have. Whoever plays left wing, um, most definitely. But Lucic, there is a chemistry with Carter for sure. You make a very good point. Like people play good with Carter, but like I'm hearing, like and, and I'm thinking as well. Uh, uh, Lucic playing, you know, his whole uh, professional career with Boston. Playing with David Krejci, who is a right-handed, right-handed shot, and maybe a right-handed shot. I apologize. Um, that could have been the big difference with Kopitar, who's left-handed. I think maybe so. That was enough to throw Lucic off. And Carter is right, you know, right-handed shot, and maybe that was enough of a familiar uh, to be familiar uh, with playing with that type of center. That now Lucic actually feels a little bit more comfortable with it, and now you're starting to see him shine as well. But speaking of Jeff Carter, does he not look amazing with that A on his jersey? I, know I love it. Green, but that A, that A might as well turn into an S, and we might as well call him Superman. Let's be honest. I'm with you. Chris, you want to jump in and fire away? Yeah, I got two quickies for Jeff. Jeff, would you say that the number one concern for the Kings this season is going to be uh, all about their secondary scoring? Absolutely. Um there's a lot of young guys on the team. Like, Nick Shore was on the team, you know, for a, a portion of last year. Um, now he has more responsibility this year. Um, um, we're not, I say we, like, I'm part of the team. The teams aren't really getting that secondary scoring. Like, we saw Trevor Lewis score against Winnipeg, but it was into an empty net. Uh, they can't just rely on the Carter to fully reach line. Uh, Kobitar's got three goals. He's got no assists. Dustin Brown is actually... Playing some good hockey, he's just not getting the puck in the net. They most definitely need to get the secondary scoring, the third, um, quote unquote, third and fourth line. Daryl Sutter doesn't like numbers in front of the lines, but to get those lines going and contribute to the offense, uh, I agree 100%. Let me jump in. One of my. One of my favorite line combos that Daryl uses, and I want to get your take because I know you've seen it too. Lewis in the center with Clifford and Nolan seems to just be a four-checking possession machine. And I would love for for him to just lock that in and roll that as one of his lines. But I, for some reason, it doesn't happen. It, am, I, am I wrong in what I'm seeing? Um, uh, I, I agree, Mark. Um, when they're together, there's a certain spark and a certain energy from that line which is really what you need from those players. You need to create that spark. You need to get that momentum going. And uh, Lewis Nolan and Kyle Clifford, they, they, just, they just know how to work together. I agree. And sometimes it's, we see it, and how does you know Daryl Sutter not see it? He likes to use the old Terry Murray method of throwing sometimes the lines in a blender, and whatever spits out, you put them together. But I, I thought it worked, but sometimes Sutter, he's old school to a point where he's very stubborn and he's set in his ways, but he's not as old school to the point where eventually, like Alec Martinez used to be a regular uh, at in his doghouse, and now, like, not anymore. 
So eventually if he does wise up and open up his eyes, I'm hoping he does to that line because so far when they have played together, it's been exciting to watch. They go. I agree. Chris, go ahead. Sorry about that. Uh, my second question is on Kopitar. Now, granted, you know, I, I, it's a lot of rumor mill out there and they're fun to read. Uh, that doesn't mean they're, they're all true or there might be some half-truths. But having said that, Mr. Kopitar will be a UFA come July 1st. Now, everything I've read and speaking to Mark about this issue from the summer on forward, he wants to remain a king. They want to keep him, obviously. It goes without saying. Now, do you believe, because you know if he hits July 1, the uh, interest in him will be uh, ridiculous, given his age and his talent. I can think of a team it's in the Mets. trouble for the game. That has, yeah, that has... <laughs> he uh, avoided at all costs. But would you agree that both sides are, are working towards a deal with... They're going to give him a max deal. They're going to give him an eight-year deal, and then he'll work with them on the number per year. I mean, would you be surprised if this turns into more of a story? I mean, and what are we looking at here? Eight years, eight million a year, something like that? Um, the fan in me would say there's nothing to worry about, Chris. Kobotar is saying all the right things. Of course he wants to stay. His child was born in Los Angeles, right? Of 20 seconds, guys, 20 seconds. Uh, uh, to answer your question, Chris, um, this is professional sports, and in the end, it is a business. And Kopitar is one of the best players in the world. He deserves money, and I think, he, you know, he deserves the eight years. And if that's a problem, then the Kings are going to have a problem because Lombardi has to give it to him. All right, with that, I'm going I'm to go ahead out to the break, and we'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans. And once again, this episode is going to be streaming live on HockeyTalkRadio.us. It's the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week all hockey talk radio station make sure you check it out and we're back from the break we were uh, right before the break we were talking with Jeff about uh, trying to get the Kopitar deal done and where were we at with that we're talking term, and well, I think a point. I think a point point about the Kopitar deal in, in terms of this negotiation, the way the CBA is worked, to remind everyone, the the uh, existing team, if you will, can offer uh, a player a, an up to an eight year contract, and that's where a player goes to the un, uh, free agent, unrestricted free agent market, and, and uh, a team, uh, another club, can o- only offer seven years. So. All the gobbledygook math aside, what does that all mean? Well, it means that you really got to look at total value of the contract. And in, and in Kopitar's case, it's not a case where he's 31, 32, and you give him an eight-year deal, it's going to take him to his 40. 26 years old. So you're basically going to buy the, less, the rest of his prime years in his career. So, you know, if you, if you say, okay, you know, we're willing to give you, you know, uh, $70 million. You know, $70 million over eight years is like $8.5 million. You know, if he was so fixated on making what Hayes or Kane makes, you know, believe it or not, uh, that would be roughly a little more than ten million dollars on seven years. Would be roughly the same contract. So, as long as the Kings, and I, I find it hard to believe, I, I wouldn't understand why they wouldn't, were willing to go to a max deal, meaning eight years. It's hard for me to see. Why, it's hard for me to understand why this is kind of taking so long. 
there's something going on with the negotiations that we obviously do not know. We, we're not privy to that information. We don't know who's asking for what or who's offering what. What you're saying, Chris, makes uh, complete sense. Um, uh, we're, we're assuming that Kopitar, uh, as long as he gets the security of, you know, say like eight years, like you said, that he can negotiate, he can be flexible when it comes to the actual price of the money he's going to get. We're assuming, right? We're guessing. It would make sense, but who knows? Maybe Kopitar does want the 10.5. Maybe it's an ego thing. Maybe it's not. I would like to think it isn't, but we don't know, and it's scary not to know because we're now almost in November, the regular season, and this deal that people keep telling us, the extension, don't worry about it. It's going to happen. Everyone's saying the right things. Still hasn't happened, and why? Maybe Lombardi's being extremely stubborn. Does want to offer something like eight years? We don't know. But all I know is, is Andre Kopitar, like you said, 26 years old. He has a lot of prime years still left in his career. A super talented player, a two-time Stanley Cup champion, etc. He is not the type of player, especially at his age, that you let go. That is crazy. Um, if you let him go to free agency, that is trouble. Kopitar. I, I met him once, but I do not know him personally. He was very nice. Who knows? He could be the nicest guy in the world, the most honorable person in the world. But this is still sports and it's still business. Anything really can happen, especially uh, during the negotiations. So something has happened that we don't know about. Somebody is not budging or who knows. I originally believed it was because of the Mike Richards situation and, and the, the going off, you know, the uncertainty with that contract and everything. Lombardi wanted those done and out of the way before he can even focus on Kopitar. And it doesn't seem like they're, they're closing anytime soon. So somebody's not budging. I'm sure we'll find out eventually. But as, you know, as a Kings fan, it's scary because you do not want to lose Kopitar. 100%. And do you, you know as well as I do, Dean Lombardi has his flowchart and his boxes, and his boxes have to have the right number in them. And it doesn't matter if the left wing three is a $2.85 million cap hit for three years. That flowchart still has to last 10 years into the future with Dean. So what you say makes a lot of sense is the fact that with the uncertainty of the Richards deal, uncertainty of the Voinoff deal, he had to get another defenseman. He brought in Christian Ehrhoff. Um I don't, I don't really get a sense of urgency in the off season that, with everything else going on, and trying to fill out a roster for this season, that there was a sense of urgency on the Kings' part. And I really don't think that that bothered Kopitar just from the public posturing that we see. I don't think, I don't think either side was worried about it at that time, um, just because of the way the off season played out for the Kings. And before I let you go, I know you're up against your 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 timeline there. I wanted to just take a, a quick look at uh, some of the guys that may be next for the Kings as far as the uh, the Michael Mercers, the Kevin Gravels, the Adrian Kempes, maybe Nick Dowd. Who's, who's 1A on the call-up list there if something, something goes wrong with the forward core? And then maybe... Uh, touch up on how all of a sudden after J.F. Barube uh, got claimed and Patrick Bartosak took injury, all of a sudden the the goaltending depth is Ray Emery and Peter Budai, two former starters for multiple seasons. The goaltending depth went from a huge question mark the day before the regular season to one of the strengths of the organization. If you could talk a little bit about the, the minor leagues and, and who's coming down the pipeline there, that'd be great. The guy who is 
uh, pretty much ready to play in the NHL right now that's down on the farm playing for the Ontario Reign is Michael Mersh. This guy's ready to go. I think uh, you so. saw it last year with the Monarchs. When they won the Calder Cup, this guy, he stood out. There was a lot of guys that played fantastic on that team. Obviously, they were the champions. But Michael Mersh is ready to go. His hockey set, he's a very intelligent player. And from what I'm gathering and what, what I'm learning about him, is he's also, his mind is like a sponge. He thinks the game 24-7. He wants to learn, and he's always trying to improve. This is a guy that was huge for the Monarchs last year, and he played fantastic in the preseason with the Kings. Yeah, he, he did. He looked like he belonged. Yeah, He was scoring good goals, instant chemistry. Uh, he looked like it, and honestly, I believe he'd be on the team, but, you know, Sutter is big with seniority, and there's just no room on the roster. He'll be the first guy called up automatically, I guarantee it. If there's an injury that goes down, hockey gods forbid, but he'll be the first guy called up, and I have a feeling, and I could be wrong, that once he's up, I don't think he's going back down. This guy is ready to go. I, I uh, saw something I saw Sutter, something the other day from, uh, again, John Rosen, LA Kings insider, who's doing... Uh, He's picking up some of the Ontario Rain blogs this year. And Rob Blake, who had, before I saw this, I didn't know, he, he took over general manager duties for the Ontario Rain. Um, nice to have him in okay. the backyard now. So they, he said he said just yes, the same thing you did. He said the same thing you did, that once Mersh goes up, he's never going to look back. He's ready to go. What about these other guys? Sorry, what's that, Mark? Oh, I was, uh, I wanted to know, uh, what what your take on Adrian Kempe is? Uh, I I like Kempe a lot. Um, this is a guy that when he eventually does come into the NHL, I just think he's just not ready right now. Um, this is a guy who I've heard comparisons with Andre Kopitar. I don't fully agree with that, but there are certain similarities where he's a very good defensive forward who can also he has good hands and good skating ability, who has a good offensive mindset. But this is a guy who likes to lay down the boom, and, uh, you know, he has a mean streak in him. He's very good. He is also like an open sponge. He will do whatever the coaches ask of him. But right now, uh, he's about, what, 185, 190 pounds. I think they feel he can bulk up a bit more because he plays such a physical game. And once he does, and he's still very, very young. He played very young, like Kopitar, in the Swedish Hockey League. Uh, he came, uh, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, he came a bit late to the Monarchs last season, he came in time for the playoffs, something like that. No, you're right, uh, for sure. He was a little, you know, it, there's a bit of a, you know, stranger in a strange land, you know, getting used to your teammates and your environment, but once he turned it on, he scored some spectacular goals. He did. So a lot of offensive offsides, but especially as a defensive forward, this kid is hungry, he wants to play. I just think he's not ready yet, but he will be. Now, aside from Kevin Gravel with Derek Forward called up and sitting on the bench uh, with a big club, yeah. what else is in the defensive pipeline? Because that's where we're thin. Hello? You, yeah, yeah, are you there? Hello. I lost you, everybody. Jeff, are you there? Yep, okay, yep. I hear you. Sorry, what was the question? Okay, well, aside from Gravel with Forbert being called up already and sitting on the bench as the seventh defenseman, what else is in their defensive pipeline? Are we, are we allowed to talk about Jeff Schultz? <laughs> yes, we are. He stepped in in the cup run of 2014 and played some very important games for the Kings. Uh, yes, he did, and I think he is now officially back in Sutter's doghouse. Because he was, he was there for the opening game, and I think he was 
partnered up with Erhoff for his first official regular season game with the Kings. And Schulte made some mistakes, and now he's back down on the farm, which is great for the Reigns because they're on a roll right now. But uh, right now, like for the best that I know of the Ontario Reign, it really it is the guy who just got called back down, Derek Forbert. I mean, they're playing fantastic defensively. A lot of that is Peter Budai. Uh, Peter Budai is being lights out right now uh, down in the AHL. But... Uh, Sorry, Mark. I just lost my train of thought. I apologize. Now, you were running with Peter Budai playing great, and uh, I did not hear Derek Forbert had been sent back down. Is that correct? Derek Forbert was sent down back today, which I'm assuming that Matt Green is ready to come back from injury. Breaking uh, news on the Vegas point. Hockey Podcast. <laughs> there you go. Breaking news. Uh, to give credit where credit is due, uh, LA Kings insider Tom Rosen broke the news. I'm just reporting from there. There but you the go. Kings have, they have Nick Ebert on defense. Uh, 203 pounds, six feet, lots of potential. Also played very well uh, during the Calder Cup run for the Manchester Monarchs. Uh, he's definitely going to get a look as well. I think the biggest one that you're going to look at is, again, I'm sorry to repeat his name, but Derek Forbert. Uh, it's unfortunate that he got when he did, he I guess he ended up with the flu after playing two games, and then they called up Jamie McBain, and now McBain's playing very well with Erha. Right. So it's unfortunate that he went back down, but Derek Forbert's going to come back out, and watch out for Nick Dowd. I mean, this kid is one places. I see Peter Budai being a pretty big trade chip if he keeps playing the way he is come the deadline. He could bring a, a real good piece if, if someone needs a solid goalie. If somebody bet me money when the Monarchs won the Calder Cup with uh, Jeff Berube and with uh, Patrick uh, Bartisak, who stepped in when Berube got injured and he was in the actual goalie when they won the Cup, um, and they told me uh, the, the goalies for the rain are going to be Peter Budai and Ray Emery, I would have taken that bet. I'd be like, man, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. But that's exactly what's going on, and Emery hasn't even played yet, so he's kind of the forgotten man. But Budai right now, 0.98 goals against average, uh, 5-0, the rain are undefeated so far this year, 5-0, 955 save percentage. And like you hit on earlier, Mark, uh, I think it's actually comforting that there is such experience down on the farm that can be called up when needed. If the hockey gods forbid something happens to Quick, he gets injured, things happen. Something happens to Enroth, he gets injured, who played fantastic, by, by the way, against San Jose. I mean, 39 saves, he was solid in that game. But there's a certain depth to the team's uh, goaltending, strictly down on the farm, just because they're experienced. You asked me earlier what you know what the, the buzz was in Montreal when they had the streak. Peter Budai used to be the backup to Kerry Price in Montreal. And the nickname for him is... Budai, the Jedi. Nice. Sour stands out there. You know, you know exactly what they're talking about. Because at least as a backup, he was very reliable and solid. And that's nothing against uh, Tokarski. That's nothing against a Condon who they're using right now. But uh, Budai is very reliable. We're seeing it with the rain. Uh, you know, if he comes up, he can play, and he has an NHL experience. And same with Ray Emery. He's been he's won the Stanley Cup as a backup to Corey Crawford with Chicago. And he went to the cup final with Ottawa as the number one bully. And yes, they lost to the Ducks. But again, there's experience Ugh. there. Guys who have played well in the NHL. And it's a little bit more of a comfort factor where, you know, you take a guess with Patrick Bartisak, who plays very well. He's injured right now. And, you know, the Kings lost through the waiver, waivers to the Islanders. But you never know with rookies, right? They can play good in the farm and not show up 
in the NHL. Not everyone can be a Martin Jones to get three shutouts as a rookie right off the hop. Right. So uh, it is something. Budai can step in based on his experience and so can Ray Emery. And, but let's hope that uh, it doesn't come to that, that everyone stays healthy and everything's okay. We're coming up against it, and I know your time is short this evening, Jeff. I want to thank you for uh, coming on board with us. You you gave us a little more time than even we had scheduled for you, and I really appreciate that. Chris, you got any you got any last thoughts? Thanks, Jeff. You did, a, did an amazing job, and we uh, hope to have you back uh, in the near future. For sure. Um, Mark and Chris, you guys are fantastic, and it was a pleasure and an honor to be here. And this was a lot of fun. All right. Well, we will definitely be in touch. Uh, definitely check out Jeff's work at CaliSportsNews.com. Look him up on Twitter at JDStyles underscore. That's J-D-S-T-Y-L-Z underscore on Twitter. He links to all his work. And uh, if you're a Kings fan and you want to tweet the game with somebody, he's always on board. So, again, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on board. And we'll definitely have you back. Great job. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right, well, we're going to go to a break, and when we come back, we'll do a little bit more around the league segment, and then we'll get it off to production, so we'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and once again, this episode of the podcast is going to be streaming live on HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first radio station formatted 24 hours a day, seven day a week, all hockey talk all the time. They have coaches talk, instructionals, training tips, fan podcasts, and more. Make sure you check it out. And we're back. Let me get another round of applause for JD Styles there. Jeff doing a great job. Uh, yeah, no, we've, we've we've been very fortunate. We've had some great guests. Uh, next week, I don't want to give a little teaser. I won't give the name, but we're going to have another hockey writers, some of the hockey writers on, and just to show everyone that. I'm not a crazy Islander fan. We're actually going to have a New York Rangers writer on. So, woo woo! Does that mean I got to bring in a, a Ducks? Does that mean I got to bring in a Ducks blogger? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We we'll have, we'll have some Ranger, a little Ranger talk next week. So. All right, all right. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Well, yeah, a few, so, uh, a few uh, more yeah, points. Hit, Go ahead. Yeah, John Tortorella. The Blue Jackets have played a, played a touch better. Uh, you know, obviously they were no. Been under the as of this podcast under the helm for three games. They're two and one. The one they game they lost was the Minnesota in a, in a tough contest. I think they lost three to two or four to three. So uh, they won two other games in there. I want to say they did they break it in Colorado and then they beat New Jersey. So um, they still have a long way to go. They're two and eight. You know, I mean, so they got a lot of work ahead of them. They got to basically put good weeks upon good weeks upon good weeks. You know, it's you know it's. Uh, not everyone like the L.A. Kings can win six in a row. So, I mean, you got to look at it. You usually play about three games a week. You just got to win your week. You got to go two and one. You know, you got to keep compiling those two and ones. And they got they got a month of two and ones ahead of them just to pretty much get back to five, almost get back to 500, maybe actually a little bit more. So we'll see. We'll see how Torch does, uh, uh, how that plays out. But, uh, you know, obviously they're in a critical time with, with their record. Yeah, they, uh, I saw somewhere, and I don't know how true it is. The, I, I only saw it in one spot, but I think, <coughs> excuse me, either in the second, third intermission there, or after the first game, 
torched uh, told Johansson that he thought he was out of shape and he needed to start working harder. And uh, then was wasn't wasn't Johansson scratched for being sick in the second game under torch? Yeah, I did see that. He has he has some kind of illness or something. Yeah, is that sick in quotes? Because coach is trying to send the message to the know. room. <laughs> you know, Torts. You know, the rest, you know these, hockey, these hockey teams now with these injuries, you know, if you haven't noticed, it's upper body, lower body. I mean, you can get more information, uh, you know, uh, on the Kennedy assassination than you can on uh, a hockey injury nowadays. I mean, you have no idea. What, what the, I'm definitely lower body, you know, so there's kind of like gamesmanship that goes on. So, uh, you know, who knows? But, you know, obviously... They have a lot of work to do um, uh, ahead of them, so it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, but they are they are a good they are a good team. Uh, they have their flaws, but they are a good team. Want to touch on Calgary? I mean, uh, I you know thought you know they they, they really were a year, a year plus in my opinion ahead of schedule from last year. Uh, but I and I thought that you know with all the expectations and the big moves that. You know, they might come out a little bit slow, but I thought they'd be fine. They would clearly finish in the top three in the Pacific. And I, I still think they will, but I am even surprised with this with this start, you know, this 2-7-1 start. Uh, they actually were in New York uh, earlier in the week, so I got to see them play a little bit against the Rangers and against the Islanders. And, um, yeah, they got some work to do there as well. And you don't want to fall too far behind in, in, this, uh, in this playoff race. Not not in that division. You're gonna you're gonna be having to crawl over. I mean, if let's just let's just say we talked about it earlier. We we got to believe the Ducks are gonna get hot at some point, right? They're not gonna they're not gonna go one six and two in a nine game stretch for the rest of the season. So you got to figure that both now that they've stumbled out of the gate, Calgary and the Ducks. Well, they're gonna have to uh, they're gonna have to fight each other. And that that could be some real interesting hockey. And the Sharks are playing good hockey right now too. Um, can the yeah, they cool can the, the bit though, right? They, they started off four and zero, and then since then they've they're on a little bit. Logan Gauthier uh, broke his foot, so I think they're still. Yeah, you know that's a big impact for that club. So you're going to have, and can the Coyotes maintain what they're doing? The Pacific the Pacific Division's going to be. Uh, going to be a race for that third spot. There could be some big-time hockey down the stretch right there. Yeah, it should be. And, and you know what? Um, one final point is, you know, I actually thought, and I get no apologies uh, to the Coyote fans, and, I, you know, not that I think the Coyotes, to me, if the Coyotes are in position that they're fighting for uh, that third spot, that last playoff spot, they're within a few points, you know, five, six points going for the last month of the season. They've had a heck of a year. I, I still think they're a sub-500 team, uh, but it's clear. I thought they would be by far the worst team in the league, so I have to send some bouquets out to them and, and say I was wrong about that. It looks to me that the team that is going to by far, by far finish with the worst record, the lowest amount of points, is Toronto, which uh, they believe, uh, and, uh, which means so probably they would have the, the best chance of landing Mr. Austin Matthews uh, uh, come April with the ping-pong balls. Yeah, you're on record with the uh, Coyotes bashing, sir. 
You're on. You're on record. Well, no, I said I, I they were not going to be in the playoffs. That I don't expect them to contend for a playoff spot. Uh, they're a fun team to watch. They are very exciting. Uh, but you know, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I I expect you know, and you know, because of these four starts by the Ducks and by the Flames, it really gives the Kings an excellent chance to really position themselves and you know come away with that division. No, I, I agree. Fact, I'm not sure what you. I, I'm I'm not sure what the order is. I I would be very surprised if it's not Kings, Ducks, Flames. And let me tell you something. This is the last point. Uh, you know that Central Division. Uh, there's a really good team not going to be going home and not making the playoffs. It's hard to believe. There are six really strong teams in the Central Division uh, out of seven, and uh, obviously only five can make it in. I firmly, I I would uh, firmly believe. Both wild card spots are coming from the central, and um, that that is uh, you know that is some division. And Dallas, I got I got that's probably the one predi- prediction I've been the most off on. I got a lot of things right, but that one I got all at least so far. Uh, the Dallas Stars uh, look like a pretty darn good hockey team. So yeah, not to not to toot my own horn, pop. not to toot my own horn on that Dallas Stars card, any, but uh, I think I had them in the playoffs, didn't I? Yeah, you did. You, I think you I did. did. But someone, someone's probably making it out of those six, and uh, you know that is gonna that is gonna be an, that is gonna be one of the most interesting and fun races to watch, because like I said, you look at those six teams, and uh, you're gonna have a real good team now make the playoffs. Well, we did. Real good team. It's gonna come and some of it's gonna, it's gonna come down to probably one or two points. For sure, we did agree that was the the best going to be the, you know, the best division in hockey. We called it when we did our, when when we did our central division preview. Uh, they're proving us right. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. So that's uh, that's that's uh, something to watch. So, well, there you guys have it around the league in eight minutes. <laughs> little quick, little quick last hit for us before we get out of here. Uh, once again, I want to I want to thank Jeff Duarte for coming on and and giving us some good quality Kings talk. Uh, being a Kings fan, that guy all over all over the organization, he knows what's going on there and did a great job for us. Absolutely, it was it was terrific. We've been we've been very blessed with the with the uh, with the people that we've had on, and I'm sure we'll we'll keep it rolling. And then uh, the great thing is we'll have some. Uh, uh, we're going to definitely in the near future bring all these great guests back. Oh, for sure. So uh, Chris teased it a little bit ago. We're going to go West Coast, East Coast. So Rangers fans, uh, stay tuned next week. It's going to be all Rangers all the time, baby. With that, I'm going I'm to say goodbye. Chris, you have a great week. I know you're busy over there. And uh, we'll work out a time with uh, our Rangers guests there for next week, and we'll get this done. Looks good, and it looks good. Okay, man, have a great week. Thanks a lot. Uh, you guys can email the show, sure. VegasHockeyPodcast.com. You can find Chris at the NL King on Twitter. Remember, he writes for the Hockey Writers and also Get Real Hockey. Um, and I just sit here and talk. So for that, we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Let us know what you think. If you have any ideas, any teams you want us to talk about, we'll get a good guest on and we'll we'll get them covered for you. Thanks again for listening. We always appreciate you guys and have a great week. We're gone.